took me a second. My Bible didn't, it kind of automatically opens to Matthew at this point. And go ahead and open your Bibles to not Matthew, um, but to Genesis 1. Um, we're going to be there in a, in a couple minutes. We're going to spend some time in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3. Uh, over the past 18 months, 20, I don't know how long it's been. Uh, we, we joked about it often, about how long we spent in Matthew um, as we kind of walked all the way through it. But I, I really hope that you like, r- grew to appreciate or saw, saw the value in, in walking straight through um, Matthew, almost verse by verse. And just as we looked and we saw Jesus' birth, his life, his teaching, his, his preaching, his healing, his rebukes, and ultimately, we saw his atonement for sin that he provided on the cross. How he, he, made, he accomplished salvation for God's people. I, I hope that you saw the value in going straight through um, that as much as we joked about still being a Matthew, still being a Matthew. Um, but I just, I just really, really enjoyed that. Just like Tanner said a couple weeks ago, though, we're going to do a couple different things now. We're going to spend at least the next three weeks talking about work. I know it's the Sabbath, it's rest, but we're going to be talking, I know, I'm just going to leave it there this time, um, talking about work, and there's such a thing as the theology of work, and it's something that's not talked about very often, it's something that I don't think that we as the church really have a firm grasp of what it means to, to work and why do we work and, and the fact that God has created us to work. It's about three or four years ago when I was living in China, uh, I met a missionary. He was actually, he was there just for two weeks um, from Arkansas and he was telling me about his degree from seminary was in, his degree was in the theology of work and I was like, well, what is that? Like, I didn't, that's a degree? And uh, I asked him a lot of questions and really it was, like mind blowing to hear the things that he talked about, how he how it's impacted his role as a pastor, and how his church has has had a couple different opportunities because of that and because of his teaching. And it's something that's really kind of piqued my interest for a long time now. But I don't think it's I don't want to do this just because it's something that interests me or something that I think it kind of like strikes my fancy a little bit. But I really think it's going to have a lot of practical application, specifically for our church, um, for Christ Reconciled Church here in this context, our people, what, like what we talk about in, about our ministry, about how we're, we're 24-7 in full-time ministry, and I think that we're going to really get deep into that. Today is basically one big introduction. It's, sorry, this is really bothering me. Um... It's one big introduction for really the next two weeks. Uh, just going to try to like lay the groundwork, and then we're going to get to the practical side of it the next two weeks. But there's really five things that we're going to see over the next three weeks. Today, um, next week, and then the next week. Um, five things. If you want to try to write these down, the first three we're going to hit on today. Um, but I put... They're on there as we go through, but not right now. I'm just going to kind of give you these five things that we're going to talk about in, um, over the next three weeks. First of all, we're going to see that God created work. And he created work, and it was good. And he created us to work. 
That was one. Sorry. That's all one. God created work. It was good. And he created us to work. It's going to be up on the screen here a little bit if you want to see it. Number two, that, that work, just like the rest of creation, was affected by sin and is affected by sin. Three, that, that work is redeemed by the gospel, that Jesus gives a new meaning to work. I'm going fast, sorry. You'll, you'll learn to write fast. For follower, number four, for followers of Jesus, the purpose, the goal, our desired outcome from work is going to look very different than the world. We're going to talk a lot about that next week, so don't even bother trying to write all that down. And number five, our work, our vocation, our calling, whatever word you want to use there, regardless of setting or salary, all of that is full-time ministry work. Sorry, I should have narrowed that down to some easier points. Um, but for far, for far too long, I think the church, specifically the American church, has, has this idea or has this belief that some people work in full-time ministry and, and others do not. That pastors, obviously, full-time ministry. Missionaries, obviously, full-time ministry. Nonprofit, Christian nonprofit workers, obviously, full-time ministry. But then others, you work in a business, you're a teacher, work in fast food, you do whatever it is you're doing, that somehow that's not full-time ministry. And it's, it's often referred to as the sacred-secular divide, that either you work in the secular world or you work in full-time ministry, that these things can't coexist. And it's, it's this type of idea, this type of thought, that I kind of want to break down a little bit over the next three weeks, um, that they do coexist, that, that we as the church are called to be involved in both, down both of those, the sacred, the secular, because there's no divide. I also want to say that, that this, preparing this sermon series has, has not been easy. Um, and not just in, in, in the sermons, but in really trying to think about the application and think about our context and think about um, the different people that, are, that, that this impacts. Because I know that we all have different backgrounds when it comes to work. Uh, some of us have very positive experiences with work. Some of us have very negative experiences of work. Um, some of us work full-time. Some of us work part-time. Some of us don't work. Um, there's full-time students. There's stay-at-home moms. There's, there's all sorts of different people and different roles within society and within our culture. And, and it's been very, very hard preparing because I know that I'm going to say a lot of things, specifically next week, um, but over the course of these three weeks that are, are going to be hard to hear for some people. It's going to be challenging. Uh, I hope that you don't hear any sort of condemnation from me, but if there's any sort of conviction that comes through Scripture, that comes through um, the teaching, that that's between you and God. Um, but it's been, it's been really um, challenging. I've prayed a lot about this. So if at any, core, any, any point over the next three weeks, Something comes across as challenging. Something comes across as hard. It hit home in a way that you don't like. All I ask is that you let me finish, pray about it, and then let's talk. Um, because I, I, hopefully a lot of these things that we're going to talk about will cause discussions, will cause us to really talk through some things on, on a very practical level. Another th 
Oh my goodness, I almost did it again. Um, another thing that I want to say is like, I'm not confining work to a job that pays you money. Like the, 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 what we're talking about, the theology of work, it's not confined merely to a job that, has, that pays you money. I think often it's going to play out like this. Often it, that's how it's exhibited in the culture and the society that we live in. But that's, it's not confined merely to a job that pays you money, which is often we think of, what do you do for work? That's what we jump to. Is, well, I work at ETSU, or I work at Johnson City Schools, or I work at Chick-fil-A, or I work wherever. But that's not, I'm not confining the word work to this because I think we work in a lot of different ways. I think that stay-at-home moms, full-time work. I think full-time students, full-time work. I would say even the search for work can be full-time work. We're going to kind of flesh out these ideas a little bit more as we go through the rest of this week or over the next three weeks. But I just want to kind of set that, that when I'm talking about work, it's not merely employment or that, that, that gives us money. So that was the big three-week introduction there. Well, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll kind of jump into where we're going to specifically be this morning. God, thank you that um, you have brought us to this building, um, but not just to a physical building, but you've brought us to be your church, to, to gather together and, and, and sing your praises, to study your word, and to um, just worship you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is worthy of, of everything. I, I just pray that your spirit be moving among us today, that, that as we read your word, as we look at what your design was, that as you created, that, that you created us in a very specific way. I, I pray that we would see that, that you would reveal to us what that means. Well, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? What does it mean to be truly made in your image? Um, God, I just pray that you open our hearts, soften our hearts to understand this, uh, but that you would change us, that it not just be just any sort of mental understanding or like grasping this, but that you just change us through your word. Um, God, it's all for your glory. Um, Use my imperfect words. Use my imperfections um, to just to, to bring glory to yourself, to um, make yourself out as just the perfect God that you are. Father, it's all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So hopefully by now you're to Genesis 1. Um, should be the easiest chapter in the Bible to find, unless you're on a tablet, then I guess it's just as difficult as all the rest. Um, but I'm actually not going to read through Genesis 1. We could have done that, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all the way through Genesis 1. Um, we're just going to summarize it very briefly, and then we're going to um, go a couple different places. In Genesis 1, what we see that in the very beginning, God was creating out of nothing. It says that they, God spoke and I'm not, I'm not going in order here by the days. Um, God spoke and there was light, there was darkness, that he separated the light and the darkness. He spoke and there was land and sea. God spoke and there was sun and moon. God spoke and there was animals and plants. Um, not in order. Um, but that God spoke and created out of nothing. And that's kind of what we see in Genesis 1 is that account of, of our creator God creating, making, fashioning out of nothing. And then on the sixth 
After completing the work on the sixth day, we see that he rests. So, Genesis 2. That was a 10-second version of Genesis 1. But Genesis 2, the first three verses, says that, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. A couple different times there in those three verses it talks about God and his work. We see that from the very beginning that God is a worker. That God, if you're looking for the first worker in the Bible, like you've got it right here. Job title, creator, maker, giver of life. I mean, there's all sorts of titles you could give God in this, but we see God as a worker. God is as doing the work, and then on seventh day, resting from his work. But then skip back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our, own, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven, oops, sorry, and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So this creator God that, that spoke everything into motion, that, that with his word created all that is, then created man in his own image, in the image of the creator, maker, God. We see that we are created in this image. He then said, tells humans that mankind to go be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds, and over the plants. We're jumping all over the place. Then Look at chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. God took the man, put him in the garden to work it, to keep it. And if you think about just where we are in the history of man, like there is no sin at this point. Sin has not entered in. The fall of man has not happened. And man has been put in the garden to work. And I think... The fact that trying to understand that the work was created before sin, that work was created before the fall, is something that I think is sometimes difficult for us to resonate with because Christians, non-Christians alike, often have this view of work that is negative, this, this view of work that's, man, it's just, this it's just this necessary evil. It's just some things we have to do to meet ends meet. We're just stuck going doing this job. We're stuck going here and doing this. It's just the means to an end. We've got to do that. And I rarely hear people, myself included, talk about work in a positive light, and like something that we're able to do, something we get to do, something that we've been created by God to do. But over the next three weeks, what I want to do is, is say, like, what if the, our position as a church, what if our belief as a church and understanding was different? What if we saw work as a good thing, as something that we were created to do, a way that we emit the way that we go forth in the image of God as 
creators, as workers, as makers, as very different than God, but made in his image as we image him in this way. Now, I really don't know what Adam's work looked like. I mean, we really don't know. Um, it says he, he was given access to the fruit of the trees. Uh, we know that he was able to name the animals, that he had dominion over the, the animals and the plants. If I had any sort of gardening knowledge whatsoever, I could probably give a lot more practical um, ways that his work may have looked like. But from the very beginning, we see that Adam and Eve were not placed in the garden just as some, ob some observers or to sit back and, and look at God's marvelous creation. But that from the very beginning, they were created to participate in his creation. To, to, to almost co-creators to an extent. As God created and then gave authority to man. As God said, he told him to name the animals and have dominion. But that this is still our role today as active participants in God's creation. It, I mean, you think about a literal gardener, a farmer today, like it might apply a little more specifically, but I think that no matter what role we are in, we're still in this role as participants in God's creation. That as we are, the ways that, we, that God has equipped us, the way that God has made us, that as we display these, as we use these gifts, we are playing a part in his creation. But here's the thing, again, there was work going on with no sin present. Work going on with no sin present. Work was created, was commissioned by God, and was good. It's kind of all wrapped up in the... It's formatted right on there. On that one, it's all sorts of goofy. Um, but work, like the rest of creation, was impacted by the fall of man, was, was impacted by sin, is affected by sin. Because the original work that was going on, as work is good, is, as Adam and Eve playing a part with God playing a part in his creation. They were also in this perfect relationship with their father, with their creator. There, were, there was no broken relationship there. They were in perfect communion with him. Work was good. And then we know that man did not stay in this perfect relationship with God, that um, the man and the woman, in, in their disobedience, as sin entered the world, along came a lot of other Brokenness, sin, pain, shame, difficulty, death. That all this came in as man fell into sin and chose to not follow God. And what I want to do is look at what, specifically with our topic, with what God spoke to Adam right after this. As man, as man sent into the world, what did, what did God say to Adam specifically? At this point, he's already talking to the serpent. He's already talked to the woman. He's told, 
he told the woman that, that, that childbirth is going to be painful, that, that your, her, their desire is always going to be for your husband, which, like, your desire is going to be to lead your husband. Your desire is going to be to take his place of authority. But then he, he turns to Adam, and this is in Genesis 3, 17 through 19. And to Adam, God says, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You can leave that there too. So we see that, sorry, there are some big, awful words given to Adam here that just because he listened to his wife, his work is going to be hard. Not really. But because of sin entering the world, work is going to be hard. That his relationship with work has completely changed. Thorns, thistles, pain, sweat. There's no longer this perfect relationship with God. There's no longer this perfect relationship with his wife. There's no longer a perfect relationship with creation. And I think this is what we're very quick to point to, is saying that, look, this is why work is hard. This is why work is no fun, because it's sinful, because sin is just so present in the workplace and in our, in our beliefs on work and labor, and all these things. Because we've seen these effects of sin in, 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 in our work. I mean, work is hard. Work is often no fun. We feel like we don't get paid enough. We, we feel like often that our identity is found in our work. I mean, work, any sort of workplace you see almost, there's, there's lying, there's cheating, there's backstabbing. There's all sorts of things as people pursue work and, and try to work in, in a broken place. I mean, I, I really don't know of anything that has a worse reputation than Monday mornings. Of people that wake up and say, I don't want to go to work. I mean, go, go look at social media on Monday mornings. That's all you see. I mean, seriously, that's all you see is how awful Mondays are. But here's the thing, like, what God made good in Genesis 1 and 2, sin did not make bad. Like, as we were created in the image of God, sin didn't change that. We're still made in the image of God. God created work, and it was good, created us to work. Sin doesn't change that. The relationship is affected. The, our, our views of work are affected. The ways that we go about our work are affected. But nowhere along the line did work become bad. As followers of Jesus, for Christians, the, our, the reason why we work like, any sort of hope that we have 
it is not coming from our work. Our, our hope cannot be wrapped up in our success at work or, or what we're doing at our jobs or how much money we're making or the raise that we're getting or not getting. And like, no, there's no hope wrapped up in that. I mean, think back to last week. We said that Jesus, as churchy as it sounds, but truly, like Jesus is the answer for everything and always was and always will be. That I said that, that Jesus coming to, to save sinners was not some plan that, that God worked up after the kings and the prophets failed, that, that it was always the plan from the very beginning for Jesus to accomplish salvation. From the very beginning, back from Genesis 3, we see this. We see this hope. We see this, this promise that one day Jesus will completely rescue. Look at Genesis 3, 14 through 15. This is, we're going to go back right before, before God speaks to Adam, before Eve. He talks to the serpent first. He talks to Satan and says, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Tanner and I, at different times, have, have both pointed to this verse as the, the very first gospel proclamation, this fact that Jesus was coming. And we both referenced the seminary word. Is, Andy, you can't answer this time. I know you answer. Huh? I even had in my notes, tell Andy not to answer. <laughs> Proto-evangelium, this, the first gospel proclamation that says that, that Jesus, the offspring of Eve, would ultimately bruise the head of Satan. Not, not, not a small flesh wound that, that, Satan was gonna, that Jesus was going to endure on the cross, but an ultimate once and for all victory. That right after the fall, just a couple verses after we see sin into the world, there's also a promise that Jesus is going to redeem this. That, that man is not going to be left up to himself to save himself, but that Jesus was coming. You're smiling because you enjoyed that a little too much. <sighs> Let me continue. But Jesus did all of that already, that Jesus did come, that Jesus did die for the sins of man, that, that, that Jesus accomplished salvation for God's people. And we, we've, we've walked all the way through Matthew, we've seen all this. But we still live in this broken world, right? In this broken workplace, the broken culture, the broken world that we live in. I mean, sin is still rampant in society. Floods still wreak havoc on cities. Murder, rape, earthquakes, sex trafficking, addiction, all sorts of things are still very present. But we have a hope that all things will be made new. Romans 8 says that all of creation is longing for this. Paul says it's not just man all of creation is longing for the day to be set free from this bondage. And we have a hope that this will once and for all happen, that this, this, this is true. Revelation 21, we see this. 
you don't, you don't have to flip there. The, it, it's up on the screen. It's going to be here real quick. Revelation 21 starts off with John saying, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Let's get down a couple verses of verse 5. We see, it says, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. There's a second half of that verse. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. We're not going to get into all the specifics of what this looks like, what it looks like for God to come back and make all things new. But he's going to make all things new. I think that we have this idea, we kind of talked about this in guys' group last week as they tried to completely steal all my sermon material um, for the next three weeks. But we, we talked about this this our idea, the, the, a very generic view of heaven, that it's just a bunch of angels with their harps, that it's just a bunch of people standing around the, a throne singing the same things over and over and over and over again for all of eternity. There's a Ray Bolt song of music. I forget what's, what's the name of the song. I pledge, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb, where there's... My dad used to sing that song. Um, but there's this the, the music video. It's just people standing around a throne singing the same thing over and over and over and over again. I've heard that heaven's just going to be this big church service with God as the pastor, and it just never ends and goes on and on and on. And I've actually heard these things. Like, it's ridiculous. But listen, like, what does God actually say? He says, I am making all things new. As originally designed, no sin, no shame, no pain, all these things I'm making new. As was originally created, as was originally designed, no sin. Like, what does this have to do with work? What does this have to do with theology of work? All right, didn't I chase a long rabbit trail? I kind of did. But, in heaven, all things being made new. I think we're going to work in heaven because we were created to work. We were created to be makers, to be workers, to, to actively pay, play a part in creation. But again, at that point, restored to a, a relationship with our, with our Father, with, with God, where working is a joy, where we get to, to be with Him as we do that. All things being made new. Because the way that we do the things that God has created us to do, that right there is worship. God created us to work, and as we work, we worship. Like, work is one way that we worship. Work is worship. Work is worship. The ways that we are obedient to what God has called us to do, what he's commanded us to do, is worship. Because that's what, that's what it's all about. That God, as he created us to work, to be made in his image in that way, as we do that, we worship the Almighty God. I know I've said that a bunch of times in a row, but that was on purpose. Like, do we still work to provide financially? Yeah. Do we still work to, to 
not have to rely on others. Yeah, like we're going to get more into the specifics of that next week. But ultimately, we work because it's an act of worship. And none of our work that we're doing is about us. It doesn't matter what, what role and what way we're working. It's not about us. We're, 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 Colossians 3, 23 and 24 is a very well-known verse that a lot of people, um, I know, I, I've seen actually even around ETSU have this verse in their cubicle or in their office where it says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Like as we work, as we are obedient in this way, we're not working for us. We're not working for our glory. We're not looking for a bigger paycheck. We're not working to do all these things. In the ultimate sense, we are working for Jesus. We're working for the Lord. But again, it's not, it's not just that we, that means, okay, well, you have to work 40 hours a week. That, that's not at all what I'm trying to say. I think there's a lot of different ways that, that work plays out. And it plays out a little bit differently for all of us. For students, I mean, I absolutely think that that, that is work. As you're, as you're pursuing what God would have you do for the rest of your life, or as you don't work anywhere along what you went to college for anymore, or whatever that looks like. But going to school, I absolutely believe is work. I mentioned it earlier, but a full-time parent, a stay-at-home mom, like that is absolutely work. In different stages of our lives, in different ways, like full-time work is going to look very differently. But is our desire to work? If God has created us to do that, in His image, created as workers, is that what our desire is? I think it's easy to have a desire for leisure. It's easy to have a desire to do things that that might temporarily seem more fun. I mean, leisure is really especially now, like at our fingertips with what we can do, what we can spend our time doing. But is that what we spend our time doing? Or is, is, is find a job that allows us the most leisure? Or find a job that pays enough to, to be able to have more fun? Whatever that looks like. What is our role, is our desire to work? Because over the next two weeks, we're going to talk more specifically about what work looks like. We're going to talk more specifically about why work is important in our daily lives. And we're going to talk about how each day in our, in our work, whatever that is, that that's a mission field right in front of us. That that is full-time ministry in whatever role we are in. But I want us to really, like, going back to, the, to those five things that I said, like, do we understand that we are created to work imaging God 
Created to participate in creation, to be obedient with the way that he's gifted us, the way that he has called us. That what, what, For some, that's going to be a full-time job and the college degree that they did. For others, that's going to be no college whatsoever, but working full-time here. Devoting the time, my times and energies and passions here. It, it's not, there's not a cookie-cutter way that this, that this appears in our lives. But work is not a bad thing. Affected by sin, but work is not a bad thing. Again, some of us work full-time, some of us work part-time, some of us don't work, some of us are in school, some of us are full-time parents. Whatever that looks like, like, do you understand that as you're obedient to that, that is an act of worship? Is that how, is that how you feel? It, I mean, it's, I often don't feel that way. <laughs> Trying to juggle everything often does, feels hard and makes me just want to go to sleep. But what if we saw that as an act of worship? As we are obedient in that way, that that is worship. Because everything that we're doing is not for, ultimately for us. But again, Colossians 3, 23 and 24, I'm just going to read it again. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I, I just want us to, to see that we should desire to work, and if we don't, that's something that, again, we keep saying, pray that God would change your heart. Pray that God would do this work in you. Praying for a desire to work, trying to, praying for a desire to be obedient in that way is absolutely something to pray about. God, Jesus died so that you would not have your hope there, would not have your identity there, but that your identity would be in the fact that Jesus saved you from your sin, from the brokenness, from all of that, that is where our hope is. That is what gives us, should give us joy in our work. So whatever we're doing, I, I just want us to see that we work for, for the Lord. We don't, we don't work for ourselves. That work is good, created by God. And over the next two weeks, when we get more specific, I, just, I, I, I am praying... And I'm asking you to, to pray a lot over the next couple weeks about how God wants to use us in our work. Not in our employment, but in our work. And pray that God would continue to give us the desires that he would have, that he would continue to cause us to worship in all of the ways that he has created us in our work in the words that he's given us in our song, in, in, in his word, 
that he would cause us just to worship. Let's pray.